Welcome to another episode of Value Investor TV podcast. Um, my name is Becco and Hari with us today. We're going to talk about our topic, why invest in companies? This is our third topic. In the previous episode, we talked about what is value investing. And I want to summarize that before we actually dive into our today's topic, why invest in companies. So in the previous episode, we talked about what is value investing. In essence, value investing is, is bargain hunting. Right, you find what the price of a thing is, and you pay significantly less for it. And we talked about the principle of margin of safety, rule number one, and speculation is not equal to investing. We talked about those three principles in the previous episode. So I wanted to just touch on that today as a refresher. Okay, moving on to our today's topic, which is why invest in companies, right? So the previous episode, investing value investing is a philosophy through which you can apply this philosophy in many different areas. You can apply it in real estate, companies, different assets, right? But we think that, and many other people in the world think that investing in companies is the best way to do it. And so we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, I want to touch on a principle that we talked about in the previous episode called intrinsic value. Um, intrinsic value is very important in investing because let's go back to what we what we talked about in the in the first episode. You have to first understand the value of something before you understand if it is cheap or not, right? So in order to determine the value of something, you need to understand the intrinsic value of that thing. And so I'm going to read you a quote from Warren Buffett: "Intrinsic value is the discounted value of the cash that can be taken out of a business." During its remaining life, now you can swap out that word "business" with something else, but really the essence of it is, you are val- intrinsic value in investing world is how much cash you can take out of that asset, and that's how you determine the value. Hari, yeah. So I, I think to emphasize that point, you know, if you cannot determine the value of the cash that you can take out of that asset over its remaining life, then you're speculating. Right. Right. So knowing the, the value is very important to what we do every single day. And if you find yourself unsure or very uncomfortable with how much that you can determine, then you then you consider yourself speculating. Speculation, right. All right. <coughs> so let's dive into our topic for today, for this episode. What are the things? Where can you put the money? Where can you apply this value principle? People say real estate is the best place to put your money. Or sometimes people will say cryptocurrency, art collection, gold, silver, or companies. What are these things and why are they good? Why are they bad? We're going to talk about that. So let's first dive into real estate. Uh, people, Many people invest in real estate. Uh, one, of our friend, one of our friends who work here uh, is a big, invest, big investor in real estate. So tell us, Hari, is real estate a good place to put your money? <clears throat> yeah, it, so, you know, I, I think it's one of the first places people think about is, you know, they see a lot of people, you see ads on the radio, real estate is, and you hear about all these people making money in, in the real estate market. Um, you know, and, and so you got to think about it from the perspective of it, it all depends on what the price you pay, right? So if you can get that said real estate for a very cheap price, um, then c- certainly you can rent it out or, uh, you know, s- you know, sell it or, you know, fix it up and then sell it um, for a higher price. But, you know, you can't necessarily rely on that always being available. You know, so the 
you know, if you're buying it in a, in a bubble, right, you're going to pay an even higher price, right? And that's where you start going into this level of speculation where you pay a higher price that you can then sell it at an even higher price. Um, as opposed to buying, you know, like an, uh, you know, an asset that's coming out of uh, foreclosure or something like that. So it's a, it's it all depends on that purchase price that you're, you know, you're paying. But, you know, there's there's also several problems with just real estate in general. Right. Mm -hmm. One of them is liquidity. Right. Mm -hmm. You you know, it's very hard to buy and sell a, you know, a piece of property quickly. You know, it may take 30 days, 60 days, 90 days to get rid of it. Sometimes, you know, it's on the market for two or three years. Um, you know, that and that that really kind of, you know, hurts you. Mm -hmm. You know, the other problem with real estate is that you got to have some amount of capital to start. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the capital that you start with, you know, you know, the bank may give you a loan, um, but you still have to have 20 percent, 25 percent as a down payment. Some cases you don't. You know, maybe your credit can get you better. But but then at the end of the day, you're paying for uh, something that has, you know, with a lot of debt. And then, you know, the uh, as we saw in 2008, the, uh, you know, the price of the house housing market crashes, sometimes well below what, you know, what we would consider the normal intrinsic value for some of these things. And then at that point, you can get, you know, uh, you know, a good price on it. Uh, but in general, you know, you know, as interest rates go down, which and we're at historically low interest rates, the value of housing goes up um, and, you know, or the prices of housing goes up. Um, you know, so there's risks with that, which not being able to offload it um, or, you know, we live in Houston. Imagine last year you lived in a place that had never flooded, you know, in a thousand year, you know, was in the thousand year floodplain. Now it floods and your house is worth a lot less than, you know, what you paid for it. Mm -hmm. So what do you do in those situations? It's a lot more difficult to, you know, uh, to think about, you know, assets in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that we um, when we when we talk about real estate, right? I think there's two different ways a lot of people think about real estate. One is you buy a piece of property for rental income, right? Which is in business realm, you call it dividend, right? And then the other side of it is you let the, the, the asset, the real estate asset appreciate in value. But it's really hard. If you look at the whole, if you look at the real estate market, generally speaking, if it's not in a bubble situation, it's hard for you to really exponentially grow your money in real estate market yeah um so that, that that component and then the other component is getting that return getting that dividend y you know this is this is what we what we always have to look at how much money can i get with x dollar put into it let's say I've, let's say i put in thousand dollars into real estate can i get two dollars out of it three dollars out of it can i get more out of it in something else so optimizing your money for best return possible is always something you have to look at and real estate for those returns, a thousand to one or a thousand to two dollars can uh, is often actually quite low. Yeah, it, with everything, it's it's you have to compare it to all of the investable opportunities in the universe. And so, in some cases, real estate may be good. Maybe yeah. But in other cases, it may not. Mm -hmm. And and more often than not, it is it the return on the investment that you can make is is low. Mm -hmm. And you know, which is why you would look at other assets. Right. Okay. Let's move on to the next topic, uh, next item, uh, asset that uh, we can invest in. Rare metals. People talk about gold, silver, diamond as a investment op as an investment asset. Uh, tell us about that. <coughs> yeah, you know, I think uh, for the since ancient history, people have used gold 
silver and and other mm-hmm. rare earth metal rare metals as you know commodities for trading for uh you know their entire economies were based off of it i mean even the us was a gold economy until you know the 20s um but the problem with gold is i mean it's just the value of gold is what somebody else is willing to pay for it, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, there is a market for gold, and it has uh, industrial and medical use uh, properties. But you know that value is so limited relative to the, you know, the the overall. I mean, it's a you know multi-trillion-dollar, uh, you know, uh, market cap. You know, if you were, if you were to you know call it that. But I- the intrinsic property of gold is that it just sits there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a thing you pay you have to probably pay to store it you probably have to have security to protect it Mm -hmm. um you know because somebody may be willing to steal it but ultimately there's no way to really predict next year two years from now five years from now that gold itself is going to get more i mean you don't get little pieces of gold that fall off of it you know as as gold you know gets older over time (laughs) and stuff like that right it doesn't grow it doesn't butt off little nuggets of gold yeah and, and it certainly doesn't you know generate little coins of cash and stuff like that right you know think about it from the perspective like we were talking about real estate earlier with real estate you can rent it to somebody and get some cash out of Mm -hmm. it gold i mean nobody's going to rent your bar of gold Mm -hmm. nobody's going to pay you money to go you know look at it right so what is its real you know value the real value is very difficult to determine Mm -hmm. because it's what somebody else is willing to pay and therefore it it is speculative right right It, it, it you know, gold and silver, all these rare metals come into play when there's a scare in the market, right? There's right. fear in the market. All right, so let's move on to the next one, art collection. Um, you know, people buy Picasso or whatever the next famous artist may be. They buy a piece of that and think that's a real, that, you know, and, and think that's a good investment property. You think that you think that's the case? Well, it's again, it's the same problem, right? Which is. <coughs> It's only what somebody else is willing to pay for it, which is challenging, right? Because you have no idea what something is worth. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, and everyone's heard these stories of, you know, some guy was in his attic and he found a piece of artwork and, um, you know, took it to a appraiser and it turned out to be a real Pablo Picasso or it turned out to be a Renoir or something like that. And they spent, you know, they got... 20 million dollars out of it Mm -hmm. well i mean that's not a sustainable business right you're not going to just go into your attic today and find uh you know you know things in there and certainly today who knows what is going to be worth you know what is painted today is going to be worth uh in a hundred years from now you may buy a thousand pieces of art and none of them are worth the price you paid in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years so it's really difficult to just Make a prediction. Now, maybe you have more insight as an art collector because mm-hmm. you work in an art gallery or something like that. Mm-hmm. But even so, it is going to be very difficult to reliably predict it. And ultimately, it's the same problem that you have with gold, which is what is the cash that you can generate off of that business, right? Mm-hmm. And so if the only value you can get is selling it to someone else, mm-hmm. well, then you're rel- relying on the asset itself to you know increase in value. And that that is very difficult to determine. Right. Moving on to the next one, um, which is being talked about a lot uh, in recent in the past past couple years, cryptocurrency. People say it's a new gold, digital gold. It's where you can preserve value when dollar goes down, um, things of that nature. Can you talk, tell us a bit about, a bit about cryptocurrency and, and its value 
as a investment asset? Yeah, so I, I think a lot of people, I, I think I saw a survey um, just recently published that almost 20% of college students uh, today own cryptocurrency. And so I think a lot of people are looking at cryptocurrency as this, I buy this and I'm mi instant millionaire. Mm -hmm. Now, there are certainly people who did that yeah. and they got they got very lucky, Absolutely. right? They bought Bitcoin um, at a, uh, you know, at 30 cents and uh, made, you know, got 10,000 Bitcoin and now are, you know, millionaires. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, that's not a sustainable thing. I mean, they got, they were in a, a very early, p uh, you know, stage and cryptocurrency, you know, specifically like Bitcoin, people are calling it the new replacement for gold. It's mm -hmm. the store of value, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, crypto is, uh, is again, what somebody else is willing to pay for it. Mm -hmm. And there is no way to really determine the value of something like that. Now, there are other cryptocurrency assets, Ethereum, you know, with smart contracts and, and other things. You know, it, it is very difficult to determine what the world is going to be like three and five years from now. You know, Bitcoin has certainly has a lot of problems and things like that. You know, if you're if you buy it uh, as a speculative investment with a known thing, you know, that I'm only going to put five percent of my, you know, uh, uh, of what I'm willing to spend into something like that. You know, th that's fine. I mean, certainly speculation is not illegal or immoral. <coughs> But again, it's not a it's not a sustainable thing. You're not going to be able to just rely upon that to make you know to for Bitcoin to you know everybody predicts it's going to crash tomorrow. It's going to go up to a hundred thousand dollars per coin. It's too difficult to really know, mm -hmm. right? And so, I mean, and this is coming from a guy who who bought Bitcoin Owns in 2013, and yeah. I bought it for you know just as play money, uh, and I you know it it it's grown you know 20 times what I paid for it. But I certainly never thought of that when I bought it initially. Mm -hmm. And and I've held it, I largely forgot about it until last year when things kind of blew up. Mm. But I would say crypto is not the, you know, the be-all, end-all answer for, you know, for, for anything. You should be very, very careful about, you know, limiting the amount of money. And I've heard, certainly heard horror stories of people leveraging up and getting <laughs> debt up, and yeah, you know, taking out personal loans and things like that. Right, so, yeah. You know, there are risks with it and there is no... <coughs> demonstrable intrinsic value and you're certainly not going to get dividends from uh you know from just holding cryptocurrency so right yeah awesome okay let's move on to the the final destination which is uh, actually before we do let's just kind of quickly recap what we talked about we talked about real estate we talked about rare metal so gold silver we talked about art collection and then lastly we talked lastly we talked about cryptocurrency and then we arrive at what we brought up earlier the beginning of the podcast company so why is investing in a company why is company a better asset to put your money in as an investment vehicle than all these other things that we talked about so i i think it's a companies are very interesting because they are something that have the ability to organically grow so they can make more sales they can do other things they, they have a dynamism to them that other investment vehicles don't so i mean think about it from you know 10 years ago facebook was a tiny company you know at relative to what what they are today now they're a 200 billion dollar company and they generate hundreds of times more profit than they do now or than they did 10 years ago 
So their ability to grow not only their you know user base and other things allows for you to participate in something that is you know tremendously valuable, right? And so these kind of things that exist all over the place. You know, companies have the ability to 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 change you know markets to adapt to different things. I mean, you look at bigger companies like GE and Johnson and Johnson. They're in multiple different fields, but that's not where they necessarily started. So the ability, f you know, as companies grow and generate money, they can, you know, invest that money into new businesses, continue to make a return for their shareholders. And that, that return it can far exceed what you would buy with cryptocurrency, with, um, you know, with uh, real estate and so on. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, talk, talk to us a little bit about what we talked about earlier, the intrinsic value of a company. Yeah, so, I mean, we talked about what the intrinsic value, how you measure intrinsic value, which is how much cash can you generate from the business, mm -hmm. you know, for the life of that business. Mm -hmm. And that cash is a, is a measurable number mm -hmm. that has a, you know, it's not necessarily predictable down to the, you know, the dollar, but sure. you can kind of estimate what that growth rate would be and you can see, you know, are they trading relative to that? I is the price low enough that I could afford to buy this with the significant, you know, safety net, right? Um, the margin of safety that we kind of talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So that value has a is a tremendous ability to help you g help guide your investment decision. Now you certainly may may make mistakes about what the future prospects of a business are and and so on. Um, but that well defined cash flow is everything in in the in this you know in this in the business world, mm -hmm. and you can at least identify what that business and that cash flow can actually grow over time. Mm -hmm. Compare that to real estate, where you know maybe you can <coughs> increase rent by three percent or five percent, but you can't triple rent uh, in a three year period. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you do, you're pr you may lose tenants, mm -hmm. or um, it may not be sustainable. Right? You know, people may pay that for a little while. But you can't continue to triple it, you know, you know, three years from there, right? So you're going to be looking at modest increases in the the price, and uh, and you know what will happen is when you invest in a company and they in increase that cash flow, then the stock price will also increase commensurate mm -hmm. with that. So right. that's how you make your you you know your money that way. Mm -hmm. So you talked about so you talked about defined well well defined cash flow, and you touched on stock market at the end. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So this is. Not necessarily specific to the company itself, but I the companies, the ability for us to purchase companies exists because they have a marketplace that is trading five days a week, and is, is and you know sells you shares of these you know pieces of these companies. So what that ends up doing is it creates a large amount of volatility in the price. So every single day you can open up, you know Yahoo Finance or the Wall Street Journal, find the price of a, a specific company that you're looking for. You can determine the value of that company based on cash flows and things like that. And if the price is right, you can choose to purchase. You know, so that allows us to, because of the liquidity of the market, which doesn't exist in real estate, you're able to buy into a stock and sell out of a stock when you feel the, those things are right. Whereas in, in, in other areas, you know, I mean, think about art. I, if you had a, uh, purchased a piece of art, you would have to go enlist Auction. Sotheby's or someone else to sell that for you, right? right? And that's not necessarily a, I mean, yes, you can make money on that, but you pay a commission and all these other things. So, you know, it, when, you, when you look at it from an investment perspective, companies allow you, you know, that are publicly traded, let you sell at a lower, low enough price and mm -hmm. then, you know, get rid of uh, things that, um, 
you know, relatively quickly when you need to liquidate it. Right, right. And also, I want to just kind of mention the last last point, which is, you know, companies, people invest in companies because that's where you can make the most money, historically speaking, right? Obviously, you can make money in all these different areas, real estate, gold, et cetera, et cetera. But if you look at what we talked about pre- in the previous episode, we look at value investing because this is the place where people make the most money. This is this is the place where people. This is this is the philosophy that world's wealthiest investors swear by. Right. So why would we look er- elsewhere? Same thing with companies. This is the place where a lot of people look to make a lot of money consistently. And so we're not going to look anywhere else but companies. Yeah, it's uh, like the quote of the the. Uh uh, robber in the like early 1900s who said, you know, th- he was asked, why do you rob banks? And he said, well, because that's where the money is, mm-hmm. right? It's the same thing. Investing is, uh, you know, in companies is where the money is. Mm-hmm. So that's why we look at that. Right. Yeah. Great. Well, um, today's uh, today's episode uh, was why invest in companies. We talk about we talked about intrinsic value. We talked about real estate, gold, art collection, cryptocurrency, and lastly, companies as investment vehicles. Uh, Thank you so much, Ari. We'll see you on the next one.